Hi, this is Dr. Manos Brilakis from Hygia Hospital of Athens, Greece, and I would like to welcome you to the Journal of Isakos podcast. The latest issue of the Journal of Physicos contains the following articles. The first one is the editorial written by Professor Nick Van Dyke, chief editor of the journal. The title of this article is Treat Your Patient and Not His MRI. In this article, the author wants to give food for thoughts, describing the possible problems that an unuseful treatment can provoke. Considering also that there are bending incidentalomas, which are the incidental findings in imaging, and can be found up to 7% of total body scans. He proposed to follow the basics of the medical science, which are to listen to the patient and to examine the patient. Every patient is unique. The problems are similar, but patients have different needs, different potential, and different motivation. So, the conclusion is that it's better to treat the patient and not his MRI. Professor Van Dijk, what do you want to highlight with this editorial? Hello from Amsterdam and uh, thank you, Emmanuel, for your uh, question. And what I want to highlight with this editorial is the importance of history taking and physical examination. And we all know that by listening carefully, the patient will tell us the diagnosis and the MRI is just to confirm or reject uh, the initial diagnosis or maybe we better should call it working hypothesis. I believe that we need to make our patients aware not to do just the opposite and take the MRI as a starting point and just rely on the outcome of the MRI. Um, In this issue of the journal, Lee and his co-workers performed MRIs of the dominant shoulder of 26 asymptomatic elite volleyball players and all of them, and all of them means 100%, had pathology, uh, pathological findings uh, ranging from uh, cuff tears, partial or total cuff tears in about two-thirds of the patient. Uh, almost all of them had uh, tendinopathy and labral tears um, uh, and fraying of the labrum uh, was present in about 50% um, of these uh, 26 elite volleyball players. And again, none of them had complaints. So if we would have taken the MRI um, as the starting point of treatment, uh, we would not have made them better. The old uh, adagium, uh, if anything, do no harm, certainly applies to these athletes. And these findings are not new. Um, We have seen publications before with similar results on the uh, spine on the uh, hip, um, publications on on the knee, um, and also on the ankle. And I believe that we all have the same experience with our own patients. In my life, I've treated 
many athletes with ankle problems and we always make a bilateral uh, uh, standing x-ray and uh, the CT scan uh, is also bilateral and um, I dare say that in the uh, almost all of them uh, there were abnormalities in the contralateral non-symptomatic ankle on the standard uh, x-ray or on the CT scan. So my message is that we need to educate our patients um, and that the art of medicine is to treat the patient and not uh, his MRI. Which are your thoughts about the proper use of the MRI in order to help the diagnosis? The proper way to use the MRI is to use it as additional diagnostic with the emphasis on uh, additional. Getting the history uh, by listening to the patient in combination with physical examination uh, provides us with uh, a working hypothesis and uh, the MRI then can confirm or uh, reject the findings. If the MRI shows something unexpected, then we must go back to the patient, question him or her again, perform additional physical examination and check whether the patient's complaints can be attributed to these unexpected findings. If so, then we have to adjust our uh, initial diagnosis, and if not, then just don't treat them, leave them alone. Do you have any additional comments? Abnormal MRI findings in the asymptomatic patient is not just restricted to athletes. Um, and the older you get, the more normal it is to have an abnormal MRI. Uh, uh, an MRI with pathologic findings. I recently read uh, an article from, um, from Barrett. Um, it was published in the Journal of Shoulder and Elbow Surgery, and they performed bilateral MRIs in uh, 120 individuals with unilateral shoulder pain. And the outcome of their study was that uh, most abnormal MRI findings were not different in frequency between the symptomatic and the asymptomatic shoulder. Isn't it interesting? Uh, you have uh, a patient in front of you with um, uh, unilateral shoulder pain. Uh, you make an MRI of both shoulders, and both shoulders show approximately the same pathologic findings. I believe this all should make us humble. Treat uh, your patient and not his MRI. Thank you, Professor Van Dyke, for your comment. In the part of the original research, Four articles have been published. The first one is a prospective cohort with level of evidence 2. Its title is Novel Patient-Specific Visual Analog Survey is validated in patients treated with collagen injection for Dupuytren disease written by Stephen Lehman, Jamie Kotsov, Hisa Hidaka, Quintran, Naomi Roseler, Norimasa Nakamura, and Robert Hotchkiss. The authors developed and validated an electronically administered patient-specific visual analog survey in order to evaluate changes in hand function after treatment with injectable collagenous clostridium histolyticum for the management of deputrans contracture. They found that 
this survey is more responsive than Quick does. It is simple and helps to assess a large number of patients. The second one is the editor's choice and his title is Shoulder MRI in Asymptomatic Elite Volleyball Athletes Shows Extensive Pathology. It is written by Christopher Lee, Nicole Goldhaber, Shane Davis, Michelle DeLay, Aaron Block, Jill Uzmek, Emily Lee, Robert Lee, and William Stenson. The authors examined 26 asymptomatic elite volleyball players, men and women, and they also had MRI of their dominant shoulder. Even they are they, they were asymptomatic in 100% of their MRIs. Pathological findings was found. These findings also support the conclusion of the aforementioned editorial article, that is, treat your patient and not his MRI. Adding with the phrase, especially if he is a professional volleyball player. The third one is a level four retrospective case study entitled by planar ascending opening wedge high tibial osteotomy increases TTTG distance and decreases patellar height. This article is written by Alexander Mestimer, Jacob Ackerman, Gergo Markeli, Takahiro Ogura, Juan Pablo Zicaro, and Andreas Gumoli. The authors studied 26 patients retrospectively and they depicted that this procedure lateralized the extensor mechanism of the knee. Thus, patients with medial patellar facet chondral defects may benefit from this procedure, but patients with lateral patellar facet cartilage damage may see their symptom to be exacerbated. And the last article in this part is entitled Hindfoot Endoscopic Release of the Posterior Ankle Capsuloligamentous Structures Improves Ankle Dorsiflexion Range, Function and Pain in Patients with Painful Limitation of Ankle Dorsiflexion. It is written by Benjamin Hickey, Michel Dalmau-Pastor, John Carlson, and James Calder. It is a four-level of evidence study, and the authors studied prospectively 13 consecutive cases of adults with painful limitation of the ankle dorsiflexion. They had no contacture in muscles and no bony impeachment. They underwent the hindfoot endoscopic release of the posterior ankle structures and the authors proposed that this is an effective technique for, for improving the ankle dorsiflexion range in those patients. In this issue, two current concept reviews are also included. The first one 
is dealing with the management of osteoarthritis and the biological approaches. Written by Eric Cotter, Rachel Frank, and Bert Mandelbaum. Osteoarthritis is a major problem causing disability and decreasing the quality of, of life. So many treatment options have been tried for its management. Orthobiologics try to find their indication and their position in the management of osteoarthritis. This article is reviewing the current evidence of orthobiologics for the treatment of osteoarthritis, as well as recent statements made by, by study groups on this important topic and tries to clarify or helps the reader to understand the current questions. The second one is dealing with the current evidence around patellar tendon graft. Selection for anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction for high-risk patients. Written by Jerome Mergier, Donald Hansom, Mark Clatworthy. Hamstrings and patellar tendon are the most common grafts selected for ACL reconstruction and the debate which is better between them lasts four decades. The authors describe that lower failure rate in high-risk patients, mainly the young patient and female. A very interesting statistical note is that in New Zealand and Scandinavia, the 90% of the surgeon choose this graft in high-risk patients. In the last section of the current issue, two systematic reviews have been published. The first one is entitled Arthroscopic Anatomic Glenoid Reconstruction Demonstrates Its Safety with Short-Term to Medium-Term Results for Anteroinferion Shoulder Stability. It is written by Daniel McNeil, Matthew Provencer, Ivan Wong. This study is a level 4 systematic review of level 3 and 4 studies. This article is dealing with anatomic reconstruction of, the, of glenoid bone defects with different techniques and their results. The conclusion is that these procedures are safe, having 90% satisfied by patients and reporting 5% recurrence rate. Eventually, the last one is dealing with injury prevention and its title is Injury Prevention Programs with Pliometric and Strengthening Exercises Improve On-Field Performance. This is a level two systematic review written by Daphne Ling, Nicolas Kepeda, Niv Marom, Bridget Givanelli and Robert Marx. The authors want to highlight that pliometrics and strengthening exercises 
are as much effective to prevent injuries as well as to enhance the athletic performance. For more information, read the latest issue. You can find it in our webpage. You are encouraged to post your comments in social media, Facebook and Twitter page. This is Dr. Manos Brilakis from Igia Hospital in Athens, Greece, on behalf of Journal of Physicos. Goodbye to everyone. See you next time. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the society or the journal.